What's up, low-carb dieters? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn some new tricks and to find a better way. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. And here in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Still recovering from the weekend a little bit. Yeah, um, You had a doubleheader, didn't you? I did have a doubleheader. I played um, the band, uh, the Lincolns played at Foothills in Winston-Salem, and then... um, did I tell you about what the thing was on Sunday that I was doing? It's pretty cool. Um, I'm sure you have, but let's go ahead and refresh the listeners. Yeah. Well, so, oh yeah, there are listeners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for the last six months or so, I have been booking music for a brew pub locally here called 1111 Brewing. It starts with an mm-hmm. L, 1111. It's, uh, it, it's the house number, the street number of it is 1111. So it's 1111. And, um, it's owned by the guy who owns the homebrew shop in town. And he's like a big brewer and, um, and he didn't have much of a marketing plan when he opened this place. He made really good beer and yeah. then nobody knew it existed. So one of the strategies we've come up with to try to help it stay alive is, is to create a music um, series around it. And we really have done that on Wednesday nights. We have a songwriter series. It's all originals. Um, and it turns out there's a really strong songwriter community in this town that has really uh, turned out and embraced this thing and, so one of them had this idea that on November 11, 11, 11, see, yep. we would throw a festival to raise funds to buy a house PA for the tap room. And so nice. we, we did this thing and I emceed it and helped run sound and quarterbacked and I was up on my feet and just sprinting the whole time from 3 to 8 p.m. And it was 20-minute sets. So it was like a three, four-minute turnover between them. So. You know, a songwriter get up and essentially do four songs. And um, the, that format, it turns out, is really great. Four songs is just enough to get to like feel like it's substantial, but not enough to put any filler in. Yeah. It's like a really tight, you know, like a tight 20. And, um, and we had some really amazing players. I mean, some of the favorites we've had over the last six months and a couple of great surprises. And, um, and it was really, really, really fun. And then I played... Um, with the front man for Viva La Muerte, he and I just did two, two, you know, duo acoustic. And then I played electric with, um, the, the, um, the band that I was with before the clanky Lincolns just, uh, just sat in with them for their, for their set at the end of the night. Um, it's really, really fun, and I was brutalized physically at the end of it. One of those nights that like, it's <laughs> <laughs> just clear. You're not getting any younger, you know? <laughs> yep and my back's been messed up it's uh we're recording this on wednesday night and i'm still sort of limping around and i got a i got a um live music um trivia game to put on tomorrow night and hopefully i'll be able to stand there for it so you got this oh i got this i'll be fine you know i'll get up for it and I'll, i won't feel a thing all through the show and then at the end of the night i'll collapse that's how that's probably gonna go you'll feel like you got hit by two trucks instead of just mm. one yes one right after the other uh, so were you guys able to, uh, successfully, oh, the funds? sorry. Yes. Yeah, so, so, uh, so I didn't say that. So the goal for this was $1,111. I get it. And we raised a little over 1300. So we can nice. upgrade a little bit. I think the plan is to buy, you know, we kind of shopped a, a simple PA with just, you know, like a eight or 10 input, um, um, analog mixer and maybe a couple of, I don't know, 15 inch two ways, uh, flown in the rafters. Um, the extra money probably will buy some lights. Um, 
we're also going to build just a very small stage riser, maybe just, you know, the height of a two by four on its side, yeah. um, just to sort of mark out some performance space. But, you know, it's going to turn it into a very cozy, nice sounding space. And it's, um, so yeah, it's going to go well. Awesome. Yeah. Also, the other thing that was fun was it was my mom's birthday. So at one point between two acts, you know, cause I'm up there filling time while they're changing, you know, inputs and, you know, turning over one performer to the other. And most of them were solo acoustic, so it didn't take a lot, but I'm up there tap dancing and giving the update on the money. And at one point I got my mom on FaceTime up at the front of the room on mic and I had all the best songwriters and musicians in Greensboro sing happy birthday to her. It's like 80 people <laughs> saying happy birthday to her That's in awesome. four part harmony. Uh, it was, it was terrific. It was, it was really, it was really fun. That is a wonderful story. I loved all the parts of it. Uh, it was, there were, there were parts. Yeah. There was a beginning, a middle and the end and they were all good. They were, they were, I liked it. So what, what you've been up to since we last talked? Um, not a whole lot. Uh, the main thing that I had coming up, you know, we had a couple of tentative dates, um, those are all in December. Those have all, I think, been finalized now. Um, I know that because I've gotten money for deposits and things. Gotta love money. Yeah, money is good, especially money that uh, I haven't quite earned yet. Yeah, that's just that's a doubly good feeling. Yeah, free money. And actually, just a quick aside: um, if you are if you take uh, a down payment, make sure that in your contract you don't mark it as a deposit because it doesn't matter how many times you say it, um, all deposits are refundable, even if it says non-refundable in the contract. So if you ever take upfront to lock in a date, it is a reservation fee taken out of the total, not a deposit because deposits always have to be refunded. Anyway, huh. not important. Well, actually, it is important, but not for this story. Um, main thing I was prepping for uh, is that church gig I've got coming up this Sunday. Um, mm. I, I had kind of said, oh, it's it's an easy gig. And, you know, if the songs are, you know, you just go and search the songs on YouTube and, you know, you'll have everything you need. Well, um, the thing about the church that I attend is that they don't just perform music, but they're also in the uh, publishing and recording uh, business as well. Mm. So <laughs> I actually am doing songs that uh, have been written and recorded but not yet released. So um, I'm dealing with demos at the moment of these songs um, as they're still being worked out. And that's kind of, (laughs) we're kind of the beta testers for these, uh, for these arrangements. So um, yeah, it's, it's been good. Um, Right before we, uh, we logged on, I, uh, I was sitting down and working through stuff and I've got kind of a, a pretty, it's not lackadaisical, but I've got a a process where um, I'll sit down the first night and I'll run through them probably once just kind of getting a feel for it. And then I, I, I don't probably, I, I typically don't practice more than 30 minutes at a, at a time. Yeah. Uh, I found that any time beyond that is not efficient um, use of my time. So during the day, I'll listen to them, kind of get a feel for the arrangements. And then I, I physically only sit down and work through them about 30 minutes at a time. And I'll do that over the next couple of nights. And by the time Sunday rolls around, I'll have three songs under my belt ready to uh, to play and it'll be fun. Very good. But yeah, that's all I've got as far as prep work goes. Um, my bass player, who is our video friend, is uh, I think he starts working on the promo video next week, and it should be done hopefully by the end of next week. Awesome. And other than that, I'm just trying to you know get accustomed to this new job and a new routine and all that good stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's really something. I've had um, I'm in the middle of my third week of this new job, and it's um, the the scope of what I'm expected to accomplish just keeps getting bigger and. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. It's fine. I just um it's just interesting to observe, you know. 
Yeah, uh, on my end, it's kind of drinking from a fire hose because I am supposed to be providing support for a uh, a platform uh, that I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> I am simultaneously learning, um, working, doing, and supporting. But there's also some some pet projects and things that I am able to do in the interim while I'm kind of getting my feet under me, um, mostly around um, the support platform that they've just moved to is something that I am familiar with. So we've been doing a lot of testing and messing around with that kind of stuff. Mm. So I've had stuff to do, and um, I feel like it, the content's interesting. Like the, the program that we make is cool, and uh, I want to learn how to use it because... I feel like it could be useful for me. Sure. So that part of it's kind of cool, and it's definitely it's it's all video based, and that's not something that I feel like I'm not super strong in. So I'm excited about learning. It's it's a new skill set, and the skill set that I already have with you know audio and software and all of that stuff really does kind of blend. And it's just a matter of getting you know familiar with stuff. So I'm very excited. Yeah. Good. Cool beans. So. Um, and actually, the topic that we wanted to cover this week is kind of related to this particular season, at least the one that I'm in. Um, you know, Dan can chime in uh, with it as well. But the subject that we wanted to discuss this week is put the time in. That's that's the main thing that we want to talk about this week. Is that a mantra for the week? Yeah, I think it's put the time put in. Put the time in. Put the time in. Don't not put the time in. What we mean by that is um, at some point, in the process of building your brand, um, coming up with material, working on your show, um, there's just, and most people can feel it, you kind of get to a point where you're like, I can either continue doing this the way that it's being done, or I've got to put a bunch of work in in order to get where we are to the next level. And I think that right now is a good time to do that. And um, there's lots of there's you know there's a lot of reasons behind that, but it's uh, it's just been something that I have found in my experience with the projects that I have been in that this pro this this comes around every every once in a while and it, it it's it's kind of something I dread kind of looking down the the barrel of, but I've grown accustomed to that feeling and and it kind of propels me to to you know suck it up and do the work that it, that you know needs to be done mm-hmm. so. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, very, very natural, most natural thing in the world to get to a place where you have some experience of accomplishment. You know, you've 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 gotten somewhere. You've you've um, you know, the, at, at least in an interim kind of way, you've achieved some goals. And what a human being wants to do when that happens is to take their foot off the gas. Yeah, and and then you get what you get when you take your foot off the gas, which is all that accomplishment starts to slide or it starts to be, uh, just starts to become regular. You know, we, we've now, um, Saturday night was our, I think fourth or fifth time at Foothills. And that is like the big name bar in downtown Winston-Salem. When pe- you know, when, when people ask where we play, that's the first thing I, they're the first ones I name check. Yeah. Um, and before we were in there, it was like, we we really wanted it. I mean, we really wanted it. We really we talked about it and how to get in there and who it was going to be. And the booker there was like hard to get a hold of. And then it changed to somebody else, and we pounced on that. And and that was really like getting our first date there was amazing. And playing it and killing it and getting great feedback from the the staff there was just so good. It was like really early in in the band's history and was so validating and terrific. And um. And then setting up on Saturday, you know, I'm I'm kneeling down, connecting cables to my Helix, actually, and um, 
And I had the thought, like, why am I still doing this? <laughs> right. And, um, <laughs> and it was, it was very familiar. I, you know, I flashback to that episode that I did on my own where I was, you know, all full of like, why am I still doing this? Um, and I kind of had a yeah. laugh at myself and I finished plugging in cables and then we played a killer night. Uh, but, but it really is like, if you, if you're not continuing to press, if you're not up against that experience of, um, pushing toward a breakthrough, you know, then you're, you're coasting on past work rather than continuing to press and do work. And you're going to get predictable results out of that. Yeah. Um, have you read the, um, the book outliers? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. And I sort of, I sort of know the cliff's notes of it. I've never actually read it. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's Malcolm Gladwell's the guy who wrote it. Um, it is. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. it's more or less a study in statistics and just analysis of these certain things, and part of it is you know luck isn't a thing, and it's it's all about you know environment and timing and like the reason why you know all of the guys in Silicon Valley that are are billionaires are because of you know when they were born and where they were born and what they had access to and that kind of thing, and it, it wasn't so much luck as it was just really fortuitous circumstances for a small group of people. Um, the other part of it is talking about what it takes to master a particular skill. And, um, it's their, their assertion is that it, it takes 10,000 hours, uh, to become an expert in a particular skill. And we spend so much time in our lives working on whatever our craft is, um, you know, whether it's guitar or singing or writing music or performing and, you know, at some point you, you do get past that 10,000 hour mark and the, the time that you put into it, um, is the, is your higher ability. It's your, it's, it's the, the thing that you bring, uh, to a situation that makes you desirable as a, as an artist or as a, as a musician. The thing that they don't necessarily, you know, focus on is the fact that once you hit those 10,000 hours, like you don't get to just stop in order to maintain those skills, you have to continue to move forward. And it sometimes, you know, in, in my, this case with work, um, I'm about to start another 10,000 hours in a field that I'm, I'm not familiar with. So, you know, in order to, to build that skill set up, you have to, you have to, you know, suck it up. Um, so in the words the immortal words of Jake the dog. You ready? Sucking at something is the first step to becoming kind of good at something. It's true. It is definitely true. The The reason why this popped into my head besides the work thing is I was thinking about um, Members Only when we first got started. Now, um, the band was put together by another, by a manager of, in, in all, for all intents and purposes. And the show is basically laid out for us. They're like, here are the songs you're going to do. Uh, here are the tracks you're going to use. And, you know, immediately once we started like playing these shows, uh, we were like, man, these tracks aren't all that great. Um, and it, it got to the point where like the, like we kind of, there were songs that we just dreaded because of like the, like they just didn't sound good. Mm-hmm. And, or, on the flip side, they were generic tracks that you anybody could get, and you know you could hear it. You know, oh, it's those tracks. I I know I know those. You know, I know that. Right. Um, and when you're when you're doing that kind of stuff, you, you're just you're going to blend in with everybody that uses those tracks and plays that music. 
Um, in that process, I stumbled upon a um, a large online community of studio multitracks. And as I started weeding through them, I found a lot of stuff that fit our genre and our era, and I started to download them. Um, what I found, though, is that some of them were usable, some of them were not usable, but in order to use them, uh, there was no... There was no beat de- throwing beat detective or you know elastic tempo and and just beat mapping these tracks um, because they were they fluctuated so much mm. um, you know all of these songs especially songs in the eighties most of them were not recorded to a metronome they were done kind of organically or live in the room um, with no you know there there was no tempo guide so it became very apparent that if I was going to start this project and see it through that I was going to have to manually map the click tracks using the original drums on all of these songs. And I started that process. And, you know, the first one that I did probably took me, I don't know, two days. And then the next one took me probably a day and a half. And by the end of it, I was able to crank these things out probably in under an hour, yeah. you know, with, with some exceptions, you know, certain songs were just like painfully, they would speed up and slow down and, um, you'd have to move a bunch of stuff. And I mean, it, it, it literally was isolating the kick track, converting it to MIDI, uh, normalizing all of the velocities. So they're all equal, making sure that there were no ghost notes and removing the ghost notes and making sure they were on the, you know, the, either the the quarter or the eighth division that I was looking for, then you know moving them to the right uh, MIDI note so that I was getting the right click sound that I was going for, and then that was just the downbeats. So that that would be like your twos and your fours, or your ones and your threes, and then I was do, having to do repeat the same process for the snare to get my twos and fours or my whatevers, uh, and then removing all the ghost notes and all that stuff. Uh, that was the only way that we could get it to line up properly. And then that was just a whole process that I had to do in order to get the, the, the end product that I wanted. But when we started using them, people started to notice that they did sound like the record and they did sound particularly better than what some of the other bands around were using. Um, and it was, you know, it was really, on the, being on the other side of it, I can say that it was worth it. In the middle, it didn't feel like it was worth it at all. That was one of the things that we used to differentiate ourselves, and it helped us kind of work our way up. Um, and I will say quite, you know, candidly, that this past year, we coasted pretty hard. I, we didn't add a ton of music. We um, we just kind of we we had built up a, a large enough repertoire and had put a show together that was clean enough that we really didn't have to change a bunch of stuff up. Um, and the shows went well, and the audiences grew, and everybody enjoyed themselves, and it was all well and good. But we're we're sitting at you know the middle of November and already have dates booked out into August of next year. And I know for a fact that if we are going to um, 
have a better year next year than we have this year, then a lot of stuff has to change and things have to get better. So I'm just kind of mentally preparing myself that I've got to start the process of adding new material and rehearsing um, vocal parts and, and like just getting into that mindset because in order for us to get to the next level or maintain our upper trajectory, those are the things that have to happen in order for us to accomplish those things. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would say that, um, um, so here we are November, early November, and I'm looking at the, um, calendar for the Lincolns and, um, we got some stuff in December, but we are not heavy. Um, and that's one, one date in January, but throughout the whole, whole rest of this year, we were booked way heavier than this, you know, looking out a few months into the future. Um, and frankly, you know, we, we played like crazy through the summer. The fall was really busy so far. Um, and we just have not had the energy in booking that we had at the beginning of this year. And, and it just, you can see it on the calendar. It's plain as day, plain as day. So, um, you know, I think, I think the lesson, Adam, is that um, probably – most anyone in most any endeavor can look at what they're up to and find some place they've been coasting. I bet, I bet it's fair to say that that's true for every human. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, having your, you know, feeling bad about that or having it be, you know, some failing or something isn't, isn't a very productive response to that. Uh, the, the response that I find is most productive in my life is just to get busy Yeah, and just to do the work. You know, we've already scheduled to go um, gig hunting this um, Saturday, and um, we're going to hit some places that we have played a few times and don't have something booked at right now, and then a couple new places. You know, the other thing, the other thing that that um, I would say we've gotten a little comfortable as we've played. I mean, you know, for for all through the summer and early fall, we were playing so frequently. We just we didn't need to rehearse. We just didn't need to rehearse. We were dead tight yeah. every time we played. Um, it was three weeks before uh, between our show the sat last Saturday and the previous one and we were notably loose yeah we really you know we sort of just sort of assumed we had it and you know it was a big big crowd and they were into it and it was fun and everything but I wouldn't I didn't I wouldn't say we played at the level that we were any of us were happy at yeah um so there's there's you know and you'll have off shows it's not a problem sure but there's just um there's just putting the time in. There really is just putting the time in. I, it's you know one of the things that I took away from my understanding of that Outliers book, um, which again I didn't read, but pretend, <laughs> that, I, pretend that I understand, um, is that talent is a myth. It, yeah, it may not be a myth, but it is. It is not the. Um, it is not the barometer of success. Well, uh, you know, I think. Uh, by that, too, you, you, you hear some player who just completely rocks your pants off. Just some unbelievable, you know, skilled, you know, musician or 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 whatever. You mean like every eleven year old on YouTube? Exactly, exactly. And you think, man, you know that there's somebody who I wish I wish I had that. Yeah. I wish I, you know, I wish I was born with those hands and that ear. You know. Um, but every time I've every time I've said that to somebody who. I think of as a better player than me. The response I've gotten is like, well, I just, I just did the work. I just, you know, it's a lot of practice. That's yeah. all that is. You know, it's not, I, I actually, you know, when my parents handed me a guitar when I was three hours old, 
I actually didn't know what to do with it, right? That actually, you're not born with that ability. That is a developed capacity. And it is really just the case that this person did more time doing that and may have done it in a more productive way, may have done it differently than other people. But, you know, where they are is not a function of who they are, but is entirely a function of what they have done. Correct. So, you know, talent, as we look, as we consider it, you know, some innate born thing is nonsense. Yeah. The people can have certain physical capacities that lead them towards certain, you know, skill sets, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't make them a great guitarist. Yeah. I think the only, the only argument against that is that, um, if you, if you, listen to any of the um any of the particular virtuosos as far as instrumentation goes um you will find that a lot of them have some sort of obsessive compulsive component well, to their personality yeah so it may not be entirely adaptive that they yeah. put in that many hours of <laughs> of work but but that's it's still just them doing the work sure you and know, and also un- unhealthy though that may be for them yes yeah the the other thing is is that you know time is not Time is not effort. Um, I remember there was a there was a guy in in college that I I was thinking about doing a project with because he could just he was the fastest guitar player I had ever seen. He could play so fast, <laughs> yeah. and he could just do these crazy runs. And he was just like he was a total just monster. But like if you wanted to play a song, like he couldn't play a song. Right. All he knew how to do because he would sit he would sit in his room all day long and just do sweep arpeggios and just, he just wanted to go fast and he didn't have any feel. He didn't have any of the other technical things. And I remember initially meeting him going, man, I wish I could play like that. And then really realizing that I was a much more competent musician than he was, you know, including my shortcomings, which are, you know, many and, you know, obvious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, part of this is that, we're looking at repeat customers, and and I don't want to bring the same show sure. to the masses yeah. uh, another time. Uh, even with some of our concepts, like we uh, we booked another show at Bankman's in uh, in January, and we're not doing Fanny Pack Friday. We're going to do something different. Good, and we're not going to. It's not that we're not going to do Fanny Pack Friday again. Um, it's just that we've done it twice there the past two times. So I'm going to give them something different. Yep. So. Um, we're going to do 80s ladies night. Nice. Which <laughs> works on so many levels, especially yeah. alliteration. Yeah, yeah. For the record, I own 80sladiesnight.com. Wow. I've I've had it for longer than, you know, this band has been around. It was just again, one of those things that popped into my popped in my little noodle. And um the initial thought was that we could use it. If you go there, it's it is a version of our website, but it's kind of like a landing page that was like to kind of book it as a project for um like for bars and stuff like hey we'll bring this event to you hmm. so uh it's one of the you know 14 websites i own now um <laughs> unlike three right. active websites uh the rest of them all just kind of <laughs> redirect to each other it's a nice spaghetti of of urls url spaghetti um yeah that'd be a good band name <laughs> i don't well, think it would be Maybe not. It could be like a like for like an like a, the song title of an emo band because that was like one of the best things about being in an emo band is that you could like have these f- run on sentence titles for yeah, or songs pu- or, or that's probably the best in the middle like Portugal the man Strange. yes panic at the disco panic exclamation point at the disco yeah yeah 
Actually, I don't think that I think they got rid of that that the exclamation at some point. Really? They realized. Yeah, yeah I think they did. That's too bad. They, it may have. I think it's come and gone, and, and it may be back. Uh, but I remember right. there was like a whole thing about that. Um, there's this there's this guy on uh, on YouTube who has a channel that kind of makes fun of like pop punk and emo, and he has this band called. Uh, Canadian softball, which is a dig on a, a band called American, I think it's American football. Uh, and they had a, one of the songs was the distance between you and me is shorter than the length of this song title. <laughs> I like it. Which I thought was a fantastic, good. Yeah. fantastic song title. Yeah. And, you know, talking about putting work in one of the other things I, I've still, I still really want to try and do is do like a, that pop punk emo tribute deal. I just want to get a gig under my belt. I think it would be fun, even if it's just for like an hour, like an hour set, just to just to, you know, manifest it. Yeah, that may be a one gig show. I uh, I think, um, you know, you know my feelings on song selection. I yeah, that violates every principle I have, but um, but you know, as an experiment, who knows? Well, the the thing that that makes me reconsider that is in there's a thing in L.A. called Emo Night that is a weekly event in L.A. and like it is they they pack the place out. Hmm. And there are there are plenty of bands out there that are doing that that concept. In fact, so I've talked about it enough for long enough that like a band could have taken my idea, <laughs> put it together, yeah. and, and is probably doing very well for themselves. I'm sure. In the time it's taken me to you know say one of these days I'm going to do this. I'm sure, and they can help us out on the Patreon page. It's true. We still are accepting new patrons on Patreon. So. Um, we uh, we've got to purchase a little bit of storage so that we can keep all of our existing episodes up and post new ones. So you should definitely uh, support yeah, us. If you are that emo band who stole Adam's idea and has made millions, trickles yes. trickle down some of those millions to us. Yes, because trickle down economics is a thing and it works. Yup, works. I had another point to make. Oh, <laughs> I knew what I was going to yeah. say. Um, this can this can be our our parting thought unless we come up with a better or another sure, tangent. Yeah. Um, but when I was working, I was working um, at this job with a a guy who was uh, who was a recording artist who became an engineer and a producer. Um, and he he works in Nashville now, and he's he's just one of those like he's like this super chill Zen master kind of guy, super talented, and just was always like he was always just a fun person to talk to, and. Um, I remember talking to him about something that I had coming up and I was just kind of dreading the process of starting this whole ordeal. And he turned to me and said, Hey man, there's only one way to eat an elephant. Yep. One bite at a time. And I was like, I have used that since then. I don't know, countless times, but it is just one of those. That's just a good mindset to be in anything worth doing it's worth yep. putting the work in. Yep. And you don't have to eat the whole thing all in one bite. Nope. You you got time. It'll probably go bad before you finish, but But bite, man. Yeah. Or or get some friends and help them bite. That's another thing you could do. You could delegate. That's true. Also good. Also good. You and I are both terrible at that. We are. Um, but I did. I I gave the video to Yes. To the to to my video guy. Now, that. never mind the fact that I you know, tirelessly poured through all of the footage and favorited all of the clips that I wanted and kind of pieced it together. But I gave it to him to finish it up. Yeah. Because I needed, I was too emotionally invested in it. Yeah. 
um, and I needed some outside eyes and ears to uh, to actually do the thing that needed to be done. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm about to get a real education in delegation. I, this job that I'm in right now, I'm accountable for the client retention and revenue of a $2.5 million product. Um, and my role does not include any coding. For the first time in 20 years, I'm not in yeah. a coding job, so I can't. I literally can't do it myself. And um, so that's interesting. That's one of the things I have a. <laughs> I asked my boss for a meeting. This is going to be tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. Uh, and basically, in the in the meeting invite, said, um, "I need you to tell me what this job is. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. T- tell me all about how I do the things that I'm supposed to do, what they are, and how to do them. Yeah." <laughs> Yeah, there, there's probably some leadership podcasts in your future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's actually not so much lead. My natural inclination is to get out front and take charge and lead. My, it's more like about how broadly I have authority to do that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it'll be interesting to 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 see what the conversation leads to because I don't. I've never yeah. done this job before, and she knows that. And that's and she's great about supporting me to figure out what it is, but, um, you know, the thing, the thing to do, I, it, I have found in my life when you are confused about what to do next or don't know the next step or <laughs> feel in over your head is to get in communication and it almost yes. doesn't matter with who, you know? Um, uh, so, you know, as you are contemplating putting in the work in your band, you know, one of the things to, consider is like, who are my partners? Who do I need to engage about this? Who can I, you know, delegate some tasks to, or at least communicate my concerns and worries and fears and excitement and, you know, give it all to so that it lives somewhere other than just in, you know, rattling around my noggin. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, you know, in, in the previous organization I worked for, they call it vision casting. Um, where you basically you want to you want to go ahead and manifest those things so that the people in the group know where you're heading. So even if they're they're not able to assist, they at least know what to expect. Sure. Um, and I, I you know another thing that I typically do at the end of every year is I ask the guys that have been in the project, hey, you still want to do this? Because mm. you know we're going to be doing this, 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 and this, and you know I, I feel like I feel like that's the the mature thing to do. Mm. Is to is to ask. Yeah, what's well, better than assuming? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, but I, I just want to, I guess, say that if you are in a group right now and you're frustrated or you're um, you're just feeling unsatisfied with where your band is or where the band is going, um, go ahead and have those conversations and and get in the mindset that. If you want to change the situation, if you want to improve uh, whatever it is in that group, it's time to uh, to get a fork and a knife and start <laughs> chewing. Take a bite of that elephant. It's true, uh, because there you know there will be benefits on the other side of it, um, and coasting will only get you so far. Because if you're coasting, then you're only going to be as successful as where you are right now. Well, or or worse. I mean, you can't. You can't overcome friction, you know, by coasting. It's true. I think Isaac Newton taught us that. Physics, man, physics. We've gone all over the place on this episode. We have. We have. Very productive. Yep. I got one other quick thing. All right. 
completely unrelated. So don't let me move you on if you're not ready. No, 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 no. Please do. All right. So um, I want to I want to give a quick shout out to a listener who is um, somebody who I met by booking him at Eleven Eleven Brewing here in Greensboro. Um, and mm-hmm. I know he's been listening to the podcast and he told me he's up to like episode four. And I apologize for the audio back in the episode one, two, three, four, five, six days. He said, yeah, Adam sounds pretty good. You sound like you're down a well. It's like, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you're talking into a microphone that's not plugged in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was terrible. <laughs> We've learned a few things since then. Anyway, this, this man's name is Jeff Wall. And um, he is... Ah, uh, just a really creative, amazing songwriter. This dude stands like six foot nine and is like large in other dimensions as well. He's like a big, big guy and um, wears overalls. And uh, his website and the nickname he plays under is Big Dumb Hick. You go to bigdumbhick.com, all one word. That's him. That's and, fantastic branding. Yeah. and And his stuff is... Oh man, funny and dirty and um, touching, and uh, his his um, sort of his signature tune is called "Love Everybody and Don't Be a Dick." Love and it's it. just it's so good. He's so good. He's so good. And um, and he asked me after the show on Sunday about. He just had some questions about branding, and I and I said, "Have you gotten to the episode about branding?" I think it's like four or five. He hadn't quite gotten there yet. Um, and and how he talked about branding, I think, um, I think I saw in how he talked about it a confusion that's really common out there. And it occurred to me the thing to do might be to have him on to interview him and kind of work with him on an episode. Um, but one, the, 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 just the one nugget of it that sort of crystallized it for me was I asked him about his branding and he showed me a logo that he'd had drawn. That was pretty great. But like for him, that logo is what I mean when I say brand. And the logo was a nice logo, but it didn't, it didn't say all the stuff that his show says. It didn't say um, who you get when you're standing there being with the guy. Yeah. And that's really what a brand is. You know, a brand is the the ethos of you. It's the it's it's the message you are. You know, it's the um, you know, love everybody and don't be a dick is such a brand. You know, um uh and I think I think that would be worth people. I just I just I it jumped out at me because it was it was such a common and clear misunderstanding that branding is something you put on or some thing you buy rather than seeing branding as an authentic expression of a thing you are. Yeah. And um so you know I just wanted to mention that and just if anybody's out there wrestling with brand, you know, you it's not like a mystery. Just look at your look at your show, look at what you stand for, look at your um you know uh what you leave people with. Um, what people say about how, you know, the feedback you get from your show is a great place to find what your brand really is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can put on a brand. And I guess I would say, you know, um, members only probably is a, a more created, more crafted than, um, you know, Jeff Wall, Big Dumb Hick is. I don't know. I mean, if I would say that we, um, you know, 
you can you can kind of uh, name it and claim it as they uh, as they say. For sure. And and I think we've done that to a certain degree. I think the goal is just to be a good, fun party band. Yeah. That. And I I don't think there's anything more to that. I think the branding for us is more of a is more of just like a. It's more of an aesthetic than anything. Sure, sure, yeah, absolutely. And, and and the aesthetic doesn't doesn't really carry over to the music so much. It's just a thing to look at while the music is being you know performed. Right, right. Well, I mean, but you are ringing a certain a very specific nostalgia bell, right? Yep. Um, and you've kind of wrapped all of your branding around that um, in a way that's really consistent and really authentic to what it was and who you are putting it on. You know, there's there's. When I say it's a, it's more created, I don't mean it's inauthentic. It's just, um, you know, you pick you picked a target and you went after it. Yeah. Versus like, here's a guy whose brand is really distinct. I mean, he's really a different player than anybody else I've ever seen. But it's it's just him. It's just how he is. And to try to have it be something else because we think that's what branding is would just be a massive mistake. Yeah, for sure. So... Just wanted to put that out there, you know, in terms of in terms of what branding is, and I know I know a lot of our folks who listen here are sort of in that inquiry of branding themselves and and all of that. And it's been a while since I've hammered the <laughs> branding, you know, drum into the ground. <laughs> so it may be time to do that again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it bears repeating that you know, there's a, there are a lot of you that are in that process or 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 considering a rebrand. Um, and and there are a lot of things to consider, and and I think you you summed it up really nicely that you know you want you want your branding to be an extension of you know of who you are, and and a thing that you can kind of grow into, uh, but it but it isn't something that other people can and and will do for you. Like it has to a part of it has to be there already. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, there's a truth to branding that's that's got to be it's got to be true to you. Yeah. You know, we the Clanky Lincolns are the most fun party in town, and we're the guys you want to hang out with. And, um, you know, that's that that not every night I feel like I'm going to be that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's not like it's not like that's a description of me or us. It is something that we cause ourselves to be deliberately but that doesn't mean we're faking something no but it, i mean branding can sometimes be something you have to put on in order to you know to yeah, do sure to do what you got to sure, do but yeah but 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 it's um you know we've all run into people and bands and things that are obviously you know what you're left with out of their branding is the put on yeah and, 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 and it's not authentic it's not authentic or it's a bad you, match you yeah, you can just tell it's it's it was some good idea, you know, that they had that doesn't that either doesn't really work or doesn't work for them. Somebody else might be able to do it, but they they need something else. Yeah. Um, and there's just there there is a, I I heard recently it was in the context of politics, but people these days, and it has something to do with the immediacy of our access to each other and the how much we know about each other and how instant communication is right now. But people these days are attuned to inauthenticity to a degree that it didn't use it didn't used to be like that yeah um you know people can smell when you don't really believe it and um and the world's full of that so it's not like you know 
<laughs> it's even hard to see. It's just really obvious for people these days. Yeah. So, um, you know, have your brand be an extension of who you are or who you can authentically be. And do the work. And, th- and do the work and thus endeth the homily. I, I think that's what I have to say about that. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask Jeff if he'd be interested in coming on and, and talking with me for an episode. I think that'd be Yeah, really that'd be great. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, uh, we want to thank you all again for tuning in. Um, I, I had a, I had one of these, uh, a proud moment where somebody had posted on the, uh, the Facebook page, uh, and had a question about branding. And one of our, one of our guys was like, it's episode 14. I was like, wow, they actually know <laughs> Woo, about that. People are paying attention. Uh, that's I was so proud. Shout out to run force run run in Chicago. Y'all hooked us up. Thanks, y'all. Um, well, we'll go ahead and call it for this week. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. And here in Greensboro, North Carolina, Dan Ray. You've been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, episode 31. Woo. Have a great week. Bye.